So good to see you here this morning. We are here to worship the Lord. That's why we're here. If you missed Sunday school, you missed a wonderful lesson today. They're always wonderful. Reynolds taught on, on Jesus being the light of the world and how that light comes in and, and dispels the darkness. I thank God for it. Jesus is the light of the world. Amen. And he says, we're the light of the world. We're to let that light shine before men. And they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 8 through 12. Lord, give us ears to hear what you would say to us this morning. Verse 8. And then shall the wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. We're doing a series on truth. This is our, I believe, our fourth part in our series on truth, and they've kind of been building, and it's really been building to this, and we will have either one or two more weeks, but it's been building to this point, and it's simply this. There are consequences for believing the truth or not believing the truth. Once you've established that there is truth, and there is and it's in Christ Jesus, then all men are responsible for what they do with the truth. And we just read this. Now, what we read is end times uh, prophecies and scriptures dealing with things in the end times. Specifically, it speaks in verses 8 and 9 about, about Antichrist. Antichrist is coming in the power of Satan. He is in place of Christ. And remember, Antichrist, has, there's two definitions to that word or that prefix anti means opposed to Christ, which Antichrist is definitely opposed to Christ, but it also means in place of Christ or like a substitute. It's like you turned your back and looked, looked you know, away and, and looked back and, and Satan kind of snuck in the church door, you know, or, or snuck in under the guise of being Christ, but it's Antichrist, okay? And so, uh, and the Lord says he's going to dis destroy him. He's literally going to destroy him. Uh, you know, at the end of the tribulation period, he'll have his heyday. He'll have his time uh, to, to reign over the earth and subject men and women to all types of, of horrible things and, and have people killed and so forth that don't take his mark. And he'll set himself up as God in the temple to be worshipped as God. And that's halfway through the tribulation period. And he will have a false prophet in his presence that does miracles in the presence of the beast. And there are false signs. It says lying signs and wonders in verse, uh, in, in verse 9 with power and signs and lying wonders. Now, we're doing a series on the truth. So keep in mind, Satan is the liar and the father of lies. There was no truth in him. And Jesus said in John that he abode not in the truth. He abode not in the truth. And just like Reynolds was talking about this morning, that darkness is actually only darkness because of the absence of light. When you remove light, 
then you're left with what? Darkness. When you remove truth, and truth is Christ and his word, he's the living word. When you remove Christ, you're left with a lie. You're left with false. You're left with untruth. You're not left with things that are just sort of benign or neutral. You're left with a lie. You're left with false and falsehoods. And so the Lord is going to deal with Antichrist. We don't have to worry about that, okay? If we're saved before the, the rapture, and we're before the rapture right now, are you saved? I pray you are. If not, you can be today. Amen? But if we're saved before the rapture, we will go in the rapture. We'll have no part of the tribulation period. There are a lot of people you know that will, though. Let's say if the rapture could happen any moment. Let's just say that the rapture happened today. You have family members that don't know Jesus, don't you? You have friends and coworkers that you're very close to, that you love very much, that don't know the Lord. They are going to go through that. If they're living right now and the rapture happened today and the tribulation period started right on the heels of that, does it start that second? I tend to think so. I don't have a scripture to back that up. But I believe the tribulation will be right on the heels of the rapture. Because when, when we're the ones with the Holy Ghost in the body of Christ that are withholding him from coming, Antichrist from coming to full power, we would be able to point him out and say, no, that's not Christ. That's not Christ. And so when we're taken out of the way, he'll come and be revealed. He has his time. There's a window God gave him. It's seven years. It's exactly so many days that he has. There are people that you and I know that are going to go through that tribulation period. And it says right here, if, if and this is not a whole lesson on this, but if someone has heard a clear presentation of the gospel and the gospel of Jesus Christ has been brought to them and they have rejected that, then they will, they were going to be sent a strong delusion. I'm talking about people that heard and made a choice, and maybe their choice was, I don't want to think about it. Maybe their choice is, I don't want to think about eternity. I don't want to think that over right now. They are going to be sent, look at this, and for this cause, verse 11, God shall send them strong delusion. Remember, we're talking about truth and false, light and darkness. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. The people that have heard the gospel and said, no. The people that have heard the gospel and said, uh, that's a good thought, and I'll think about that later, but right now I'm liking my friends, I'm liking my girlfriend, I'm liking the life that I'm living, and I want to keep living this way. But they've heard it, they get it, they just are not, they're putting it on the back burner or they've totally rejected. Those people are going to be sent a strong delusion by God. Not that they perhaps will believe a lie, but it says they will believe the lie. That they might all be damned who had believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so there's two times in this passage that we read. Look at the end of verse 10. Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. All right, that's the verse 10 and verse 12, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth. So we had those that didn't receive the truth, but had uh, that they might be saved. We have those that believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. It's the same group of people. This is people, y'all. 
It's not necessarily that they're worse sinners than anybody else. It's the fact that men, men go to heaven uh, because they've, they've been forgiven of their sins by the blood of Jesus. By faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we've passed from death to life, the Lord says. Men that reject the truth as it is in Christ and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether you think or I judge that they're the worst sinner of all, they're going to go to hell for this very reason. They're sinners. Yes, they're sinners. So were we at one time. And we've been forgiven and cleansed. We're washed. We're clean. Amen. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, such were some of you. And we, it was all of us. But they're going to go because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved and that they believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So we're going to talk about today. This is going to be our background and our thought. But it is of the utmost importance utmost importance what an individual human being does with the truth. What you do with the truth has dire and serious consequences. Amen. And so it's, a, it's the utmost importance that a man believes the truth and receives the truth. I want to read a quote from C.S. Lewis. And I don't necessarily agree with the, the man's total doctrine. I do certainly believe uh, he was a believer. But I want to read a quote from him. He says, if you look for truth... You may find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, you will not get either comfort or truth, only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin, and in the end, despair. Okay? If you look for comfort, you're not going to get truth or comfort. If you look for truth, you're going to be comforted in the end, because the Lord is the God of all comfort. Amen? That's a wonderful uh, thought and a wonderful quote. But... It's not enough, y'all, which we've established over the last few weeks. It's not enough that there is truth, okay, that truth exists, that absolute truth exists. It's not enough that the Lord Jesus is truth and his word is truth, which we've talked about. It's not enough that God has graciously revealed truth to men, to all men. The Bible says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, all men. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It's not enough that God has graciously revealed truth to men and given truth to men and manifest the truth so perfectly and completely through the incarnation of, of the word, Jesus Christ, when he came to this earth. It's not enough that God has brought these things to men. All men are now faced with the choice to believe the truth or not. All men are faced with that choice to believe and receive the truth or to reject the truth to their own destruction. And that's what we're looking at today. What one does with the truth is everything. It has eternal consequences. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 3. I was afraid Reynolds was going to take my sermon today. He, he did read this passage actually, but... He did not take my whole message. It would have been okay if he did, because that's meant the, the Lord wanted us to hear it twice. John chapter 3, verse 18. So here's Jesus talking to Nicodemus, who came to him secret, secretly by night. He, he was wanting to believe in Jesus. He'd seen his miracles, and the Lord told him in verse 3, you must be born again. Not you can be. He said you must be born again. And then he tells him this later, he that believeth on him, speaking about on Christ, is not condemned.
But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath believed, not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. It's not just that men are sinners. Yes, we're sinners. The, the condemnation comes is that there's a Savior provided and men reject him. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus Christ is the only one that didn't sin. Enoch sinned. Noah sinned. Abraham sinned. Moses sinned. David sinned. Paul sinned. Everybody has sinned. The most wonderful godly men that, and women that have ever lived have sinned. You and I have sinned. We're all sinners. It's not just that we're sinners. It's that the condemnation comes or the judgment comes with a guilty gavel coming down and saying, Guilty, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you, okay? It's the, this is the condemnation, that light, and that's the Lord Jesus, has, is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hates the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth, what is the word there, truth. It's interesting to do truth. To do truth is to believe in the truth. To do truth is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the truth. To believe his gospel, to believe his word. Sanctify them by thy truth, Jesus said. Thy word is truth. It's to believe that his name is the word of God. Amen? Everyone, but he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds might be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. I want to read one more quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, you've probably heard this before, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. If true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. I say amen to that. Just think about it for a second. If, if Christianity is false, then it's of no importance. Just let it go. Why are Christians persecuted around the world? It's just false. It's nothing. It's of no importance if it's false. If it's true, it's of infinite importance, and you can't put a value on it. But the only thing it cannot be is moderately important. And that's where a lot of people put Christianity. That's where a lot of Christians put Christianity, as moderately important. That's not a place that God has given us to put it. There was an, an apologist, uh, J. Warner Wallace, some of you may have heard of him, he said, this, this, new, this generation right now, the lost people in the world, they ask two questions when you bring the gospel to them. When you tell them they must be born again, when you tell them Jesus died for their sins and they need to be saved, and he's the way, the truth, and the life, there's two questions that he says that this generation asks. He says, first, they'll say, why is it true? Why is it true? In other words, back it up with something. Why is that truth as opposed to something else? And the second thing, and I think it's way, a lot more telling, this generation will say, why should I care? So what if it's true? Why should I care? And that, has, that to me deals a lot more with the heart of the issue of lost men in the, in the world that we're living in right now in this generation. It's harder to deal with because you could show them all the facts and it wouldn't matter. Why do I care? What does it matter to me? A rational mind doesn't think that way. But the Lord, uh, Paul said, deliver us from wicked and unreasonable men. And I, and I looked up unreasonable. It meant apathetic. Apathetic. They're wicked, but they're also just apathetic. Why do we care? It doesn't matter to us. That was in Paul's day. 
And we're seeing it in our day. Why is that true, what you're telling me, preacher man or Christian, and why should I care about that? Well, the Holy Spirit has to do that work, amen? You could grab them and look them in the eyes and try to shake some sense into them, as we would say. We're talking about a moral issue. We're talking about a spiritual issue. God has to do it. He'll do it through the preaching of the gospel and through his word, but the Holy Spirit has to do it. He reproves and convinces and convicts men of their sin and of righteousness and of the judgment that is to come that they will face. The Lord has to show them. You show them the scriptures. You pray for soft hearts. You pray that God will move. God has to show them that they're going to stand before him one day and give account for their lives and that they could be saved. All these that had pleasure on unrighteousness and believed not the truth, they could have been saved. It tells us in that passage that we read. I'll say it again, and this is why we're doing a series on truth, I believe, is because the truth is under attack. It's under attack by the God of this world. He's behind it all. But truth is a moral issue. It is moral. It's not a mental issue of like a mathematical truth that is true all the time. It is a moral issue because Christ is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It is a spiritual matter, and, and the decision to believe the truth or reject the truth is the biggest decision with the biggest eternal consequences that could ever be. There's nothing to compare to it. There's nothing to compare to it. We think of conservative and liberal. We think of Democrat and Republican. We think about all the different social things and economic things. There's nothing to compare to this because none of that is eternal. None of that is going to last. But what one does with the truth, that lasts. And he wants men to wake up. And Satan wants to say, no, no, don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. Come on, you're having fun over here. I remember witnessing right over here at this uh, uh, King Bradford Street, which is over right there off of uh, this end of O'Neill Lane. It's a very, very rough area. It's a very rough area. And I think Dee D and maybe Peter were sharing the gospel with two teenagers, and one wanted to listen and the other really didn't. And the one that's listening, was, you could tell he was dialed in and listening. His friend's like, come on, man, let's get it. You know, we don't need to hear this. We don't need to hear this. So they left. That, that's, that's like the devil. Don't listen to that. This is why we're doing a series on truth. This is so we'll be grounded in the truth. It has eternal consequences. Jesus said, he said, these, that I've said these things unto you, that you should die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you, will, you shall die in your sins. You ha we have to believe that Jesus is that I am. He's telling people, he's wanting people to know, you're going to die in your sins. If you don't believe that I am the I am, you're going to die in your sins. People are going to die in their sins or out of their sins. In their sins or having the weight of their sin lifted. That's the only two ways that men die. It's the only way that God sees it. A man dies in Christ or outside of Christ. There's not someone that are almost in Christ. They're in Christ or outside of Christ. We might be in Christ and have a lot of work that needs to be done spiritually in our lives. Amen. But one is either in Christ genuinely or outside of Christ. And we're going to perish. A man will perish in their sins and be eternally separated from God if we die outside 
of our sins. God's will is that all men be saved. We know that from the Bible, okay? We know that from the scriptures, that Jesus died for the sins of all men, that he alone is the savior of all men. Paul says, especially to them that believe. It almost sounds like a funny statement. He's the savior of the whole world, especially to them that believe. But it does make sense. He is the only savior of the whole world. He's the savior of whoever will come to him. He's the savior of the world. There's none besides him. He's the savior of the whole world, especially to them that believe. We have to believe the truth. The Bible says he's, he desires all men, 1 Timothy 2, 4, all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is God's will. So don't we have to, you don't have to give a second thought as to the heart of God. God so loved, he gave his only son. Don't give a second thought. He just can't wait to send people to hell. He can't wait to judge the sinners and those that are railing against him. He died for them. He loves them. He's not willing that any perish, but all come to repentance. That is the God that we serve. Jesus said that search the scriptures. He told the Jews, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. But he says, but you will not come to me that you might be saved, that you might have life. See, there, where the will comes in, the will of man, what one does with the truth, search the scriptures, they testify of Christ, you have eternal life in the scriptures and the God of the scriptures. And he says, but you will not come to me that you might have life. They will not, okay? They will not. The issue is not that men, that lost men that you and I know cannot be saved, that they cannot believe, the issue is that they will not come to Christ. They will not believe. And that is a moral issue, as I said. Jesus said that he stood up over, over Jerusalem not too long before he was going to go to the cross. And he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stone those that are sent to you. He says, how often I would have gathered you together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you would not. You would not. Don't point the finger at God as being harsh and he's cruel and he's God of judgment. And he, he is a God who, who wills men to be saved and men don't want to be saved. Amen. That's what Paris Reed had said in that, that sermon, Ten Shekels in a Shirt, when he went to be a missionary in Africa because he thought those poor souls, he felt it wasn't fair for them to go to hell without hearing about Jesus. I know you've heard it. And he went over there and no, nobody was getting saved, and he was so frustrated, and they didn't want anything to do with him or his gospel or his Jesus. He says, I thought they were poor souls that if they would just hear, they would believe. And I, and I didn't think it was fair th for them not to hear, so I went over there to help them. And he said that uh, I found out they knew all about Jesus far more than a lot of people know. And he says they loved their sin. They knew all about heaven and didn't want to go there. They loved their sin. And, and God spoke to him and dealt with him personally about that but people will say lost people will make excuses it's too deep for me all this spiritual gospel stuff or they may say it's too simple you know how could one person die for all these people how could it truly be that simple and they make all these reasons and they say I just can't believe that no you won't believe that you won't believe that. You've made a choice to not believe it. You certainly can believe it. Man has a free will, and we have a free will from God. 
I believe that Jesus, maybe not literally in these words, but Jesus basically asked this question to every man, woman, and child is what he asked to Peter and his disciples. Who do you say that I am? Not who does your mom say that I am? Who does your brother, your pastor, who do you say that I am? He's going to confront every single human being before they die. They will be confronted with that. I don't have to figure out how God does it. I know that God's a just God and a fair God. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Who do you say that I am? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. We believe and are sure that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I want you to turn to Hebrews with me, chapter 3. Now, this is dealing with uh, an account of the Israelites coming out of Egypt and into the wilderness. And if you, under, you know the, the historical record from the Old Testament, a whole nation, not one was left behind. Their animals came out, their children, everybody came out of Egypt, right? The whole nation led by Moses. And the entire nation died in the wilderness. That whole first generation died in the wilderness. Joshua did not. Moses, the Lord, uh, called him home before he entered the promised land, but it wasn't in sin. But that whole generation of adults died in the wilderness. And I want you to look at this in Hebrews 3, verses, verse 12, and then we'll skip down. Verse 12, that ye should not be, I'm sorry, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now, he's, using, he's using the Israelites as an example. And he's saying they would have, not that they just were poor sinners who couldn't be saved. And boy, if they'd had a little, few more miracles done, they would have believed. They had an evil heart of unbelief. And I know that I say, I've said it frequently lately. A lot of times I don't think we equate unbelief with being evil. We just think they're lost and they, they just hadn't heard yet or whatever. But this is unbelief. Unbelief, and the Bible calls it an evil heart of unbelief. Verse 19. So we see that they could not enter in because their enemies were too strong. They could not enter in because God didn't help them. No, it says they could not enter into the promised land because of unbelief. Now, it's just a picture. They were earthly people, okay? But that would be the same picture of entering into the promised land of heaven and even the fullness of Christ and all that he has for us in Jesus. Men don't enter in because of unbelief. Look at chapter 4, verse 3, just the first half of that verse. For we which have believed, as the believers, do enter into rest, as he has said. We enter into rest through belief. They could not enter in because of unbelief. What will you do with Jesus? Who do you say that I am? What will you do with truth? The truth has been given to you. Now what are you going to do with it? Oh, he wants you to be saved. Oh, I want you to be saved. Amen. But what will you do with the truth? Amen. It, for so many, y'all, and I really believe this, and I see it in the Bible as well. For so many, you could show them the empty tomb, if, if you could. Literally show them the empty tomb where Jesus once laid in his dead body. You could show them the nails-pierced hands of the Lord. You could show them miracles. 
current day miracles. You could show them the dead raised to life in the name of Jesus, and they still would refuse to believe upon the Son of God. You say, well, that's impossible. No, they do it. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and said, come forth, his body was decaying four days in the grave, and said, loose him and let him go, because he was alive now, and everybody's watching and everybody witnesses this, the Jews took counsel how they might go kill Jesus. That was their response right there on the heels. When Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth, the Jews turn to one another and say, we got to stop this guy. How can we get him? How can we kill him? That's an evil heart of unbelief. You could show them no amount of, of proof, no amount of evidence, no amount of miracles would suffice for them. There are people like that for them to believe the truth and to turn to Christ. And I think about how different that is, say, with Nathaniel. I was just reading and thinking about Nathaniel. We don't know as much about Nathaniel as we do about Peter and some of the others. But Philip says in John chapter 1, Philip goes and finds his buddy, Nathaniel. And says, we found the Christ. We found the one that all the, the, the prophets wrote about, the king of Israel. We found him. And Nathaniel, he's, well, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He told me he's Jesus of Nazareth. And, and he was sitting under a fig tree, and, and Philip says, well, come and see. And Philip goes to see, and Jesus speaks to him and says, ah, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there's no guile. And Philip's like, how do you know me? He goes, before you came here, well, I saw you sitting under the fig tree. And he says, Rabbi, thou art the son of God, thou art the king of Israel. Think about it. Just, Jesus just said, you're an Israelite in whom no, no guile. I saw you sitting under the fig tree over there. And he confesses, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, the King of Israel. What a difference between that and the evil heart of unbelief. You could show people miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and they wouldn't believe. And here's Nathaniel. And his buddy brings him to Christ and said, we found him. And Jesus, when he meets him, says this one thing about him. And he says, you're the son of God. We can believe, is my point. Men don't want to, be, to believe. We're going to bring this on. Men don't want to be, believe the truth because they don't want to be accountable to the truth. They don't believe the truth and don't refuse their truth and choose not to believe the truth because that means all of a sudden, okay, if all this is true, then I am accountable. I am accountable to God, to Almighty God. They don't want to be accountable to the truth, but you know what? They are accountable to the truth. And they one day will be accountable to the truth. There's no um, amount of, of wishful thinking that's going to change that. Peter said on Mars Hill when he was preaching to the, the Greek philosophers of his day, he says, because he's appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man, in the which he has given assurance unto all men in that he raised him from the dead. He, he's, it's coming, is what he's saying. Look, it's coming. God was patient. God, God was, was patient and gracious. He said, there's coming a day when God's going to judge the world by Christ. One, it's a day. A day for saved people and a day for lost people. Amen? Different days. But I want to read this. Men don't want to be accountable to the judgment. I'll just read this from Romans chapter 1, verse 32. 
who knowing the judgment of God, these are the people that hold the truth in unrighteousness. These are people that haven't known God, didn't worship him as God. Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. There are people that are not only Christ rejectors, but they, they have pleasure in that. They have pleasure in rejecting the truth. And we read that in our opening passage in 2 Thessalonians. They received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. They believed not the truth, but had pleasure in what? Unrighteousness. Had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so um, they don't come to the truth. They don't want to come to the truth. Jesus said, if everyone that doeth evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest their deeds should be reproved. So for some people, they think it's easier to just pretend like it's not there. That truth's over there. I'm going to go as far as I way over here because I love my sin. It's not always, y'all, just that poor, pitiful sinner. They are poor and pitiful in one sense, but they're rebellious. They're rebellious. They can be saved, amen? They can be saved. Men would rather live a lie than come to the truth. Men would rather live in sin than come to the truth because they have pleasure in it. Oh, if God would only make himself real to me, one a lost person might say, if only God would answer this big prayer for me, if God would only bless my finances, then, then maybe I believe. No, you wouldn't believe. I'm telling you right now, biblically, you would not believe. You wouldn't believe because God's means of souls being saved is not through answering a bunch of prayers for them for carnal things in this life. God's means of a person being saved is through belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's his way. Now, the, now the miracles will prove it. You know, when, Paul, when, when Philip preached in Samaria, he says first he went and preached the gospel to Samaria. And it says the people with one heed gave, uh, one, one uh, heart gave heed to the things that Philip said, seeing and hearing the miracles that he did. So there are signs and wonders followings that, that accompanied the preaching of the gospel. The signs and wonders didn't make them saved. The gospel and their belief in the gospel is what saved them. Yes, he's a God of power. He's a God of miracles. And we ought to live in such a way that these signs are following them that believe in our lives. Absolutely. And God will be faithful to work with us, accompanying the word and accompanying the ministers of the word with signs and wonders following. But if somebody's going to be saved, it's not going to be a result per se of the miracle. It's going to be a result of them believing the truth. Believing the truth. There was a great revival in Philip's day. The people, the whole town got saved and baptized and baptized in the Holy Spirit in a short matter of time. It was a wonderful thing. I want you just uh, to turn with, turn with me to Luke. We'll read one more scripture, and then I have a, a few more that I'll give. But look, turn to Luke chapter 16. Just remember, our whole thought is what, what, some, what does a man do with the truth? There is absolute truth. It's in Christ. He is the truth. His word is truth. What does a man do? do with that that has all that is uh, the all-important thing but in Luke chapter 16 we have this uh, account 
Some people say it's a parable. The Bible doesn't say it's a parable. It doesn't really sound like a parable, to be honest with you. It sounds like a, an actual account. But there was this rich man and a beggar named Lazarus, and the, the, the beggar would sit at the basically in the steps of the rich man's house and, and eat whatever crumbs happened to be out there, and the rich man never helped him at all. And both of them died. The poor man had sores, and the dogs would lick his sores, and he was just out there, had a terrible life in this life, but evidently he believed in the Lord, okay? And evidently the rich man did not. So this is before Christ came and set the captives free and conquered death and hell in the grave. A lost person would go to hell or this compartment called hell, and the, the saved people this would be like Old Testament saints all the way up until the, the resurrection of Christ or at the cross. Uh, the lost people, I mean, the saved people go to Abraham's bosom. It was a place of comfort, okay? This was where the righteous dead would go before Calvary, all right? So anyway, evidently there was a gulf between the two, but they could see each other and recognize each other. It must have been very interesting. This is where Jesus went and led the captives, uh, set them free, and brought the righteous out of that place uh, when, after he died. So anyway, there's this account where the, the rich man is in hell and he's in torment. And he's asking Abraham, Father Abraham, would you send Lazarus over here to give me just a little, little, little bit of water on his fingertip, a drop of water from my tongue? I'm in torment over here. And, and Abraham says, no, there's a gulf. He can't, we can't go from here to there or there to here. Can't do it, okay? Well, he goes, well, I've got five brothers. Would you send Lazarus back to tell them the truth so they don't have to die and come here? Five brothers, okay? And let's pick up verse 29. Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them... Let your five brothers hear them. And he says, Nay, Father Abraham, but if, thou, if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. He said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. It, you know what that shows to me? That shows the evil heart of man, the evil heart of unbelief. That for some... They love their sin. They love their unrighteousness. Now, we don't know who all those are, so we go bring the gospel to, to everyone. And the hardest heart can be turned, amen? The hardest heart can be turned. I can tell you, Lazarus's heart, in mind at least, was changed. He couldn't go do a redo, but he, he, he saw. And if he could have done it over, he would have done it over. If he could have told other people, he would have told them. But it's just, it's just the fact that, that what we do with the truth, oh, I would believe if the Lord would do such and such, uh, if he would do this miracle, if he hear my mom from cancer or do, do this. No, you wouldn't believe. Your mom would be healed of cancer because God is good and he can heal a lost person's mom of cancer. You know that God, God does miracles for lost people all the time. He does miracles for them. He blesses them with healthy children. He protects them everywhere they go. They cry out. They're almost a slam, slamming their car into a light pole, and they cry out to God, and they just miss it. And they don't give them a time of day after that. A lot of people. Maybe they will. Maybe, maybe that would be something that sparks 
something in them. But if they're going to believe, to be saved, they're going to be saved by belief in the gospel. What they do with the truth. Now I'm going to bring this to a close. God has given every lost man the evidences, same evidences that you and I have of his existence and of truth. We're not privileged in that sense. He has given it to all men. God has, uh, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men by many. And just Christ rose from the dead, it says in Acts chapter 1, that he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. The risen Lord was attested to and testified of by many infallible proofs. Lost people have those same proofs. God has given every man a conscience. Lost men have a conscience. Now, I say it in the Bible says that that conscience can become seared. It can become numb and, and unresponsive and dead, basically, because of continuing in sin. They have no conviction of sin any longer. That can happen. The Bible says it can happen. But God gave every man, the creator gave to all men, he created a conscience to know right and wrong, good and evil. Okay? God is also through the things that he created, which is everything, he has revealed, he says, his eternal power and Godhead. Romans chapter 1. That's getting pretty specific. Through creation that God created, he has revealed his own eternal, that it's eternal, power and Godhead. His deity has been revealed through creation. And God gave every man a free will. And every man can believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't tell me you can't believe. If you don't believe, it's because you choose not to believe. You have a free will. Christ died for your sins. You can repent. You can be saved. Hallelujah. You can repent. You can be saved. You can believe. Amen. And I just simply say to us this morning that our believers that have given our lives to Christ, what a blessing it is to be saved. What a blessing it is beyond compare, joy unspeakable to know the truth and to be in the truth and to walk in the truth and to grow into the truth and to hold to the truth. Amen. And to be upheld by the truth. I have two scriptures I'm going to close with. D, you can come. In Ephesians chapter 4, I think this has been a common scripture in all of this series. Paul says to the church in Ephesus, If so be you have heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. So if we have Christ, we're in the truth. We have the truth. We can hold to the truth. I'm going to close with this from Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter in the whole Bible that God's given us. Verses 14 and 15. Jesus says, blessed are they that do his commandments, that they might have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without, so there's the city where the righteous are, those that have been washed in the blood of Jesus, those that have trusted in the Lord, whether they're Old Testament saints that look forward to the coming Savior like Abraham, or whether they're New Testament believers like you and me, or even tribulation saints that will get saved during the tribulation. He says, blessed are they that do his commandments that they might have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without, guess what? There's a separation. The truth separates. There's gates of a city and Christ is in the midst and he's the light 
of that city. There's no need for the sun because the light of the, the Lord is going to be the light of that city. And it says, for without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. They're outside of the truth. They love their lie, and now they're in it. And that's where they're going to spend eternity. We have an opportunity to go bring this gospel to men, not only this coming Friday, but any and every day, and to, sh to share the truth with them and pray for them that they would be saved, amen, that their hearts would be soft. But the altars are open, y'all. And just come, and let's pray for a burden for souls. Let's pray because we're in a world that is in darkness and in living in a lie and in the embrace of the wicked one, that they can be saved. If they couldn't be saved, we wouldn't still be here. God would just be, we, we got saved. We were once one of those, okay? We were once one of those that were without the city, and now we're in it because of the grace of God. We believed the gospel. We believed the truth. Maybe God did great miracles and revealed himself as well, but we need to pray because we're living in a time where, where men uh, have pleasure and unrighteousness and they're rejecting the truth, but they can be saved, amen? And there are people, the, Jesus said the fields are white with harvest. So there are still people that are going to be saved. I want to be part of that. I want to be part of the one that brings them the gospel, amen? He that wins souls is wise. Y'all come to the altars and just worship the Lord for a few moments here this morning.